When you think of the term leadership, what do you think of? Do you think of administrators, whether at the school level, the district level, or do you think about those people who influence change? Because if you, if you think of it in that way, what you start to realize is that we have leaders all over our schools, including our students, those who can influence change in a positive manner forward. I think one of the misconceptions is that all administrators are leaders and all uh, teachers aren't necessarily leaders, but a ton of them are. And I think when we think of that, how do we actually utilize that leadership and actually make it go viral, actually expand it within our school districts? Because if we're being honest, a lot of times uh, as a teacher, the other teachers in my school had more of an impact than some of my administrators. And it wasn't because I didn't actually appreciate my administrators. I didn't even, it wasn't that I didn't think that they were great leaders. It was because I saw these teachers as having a huge influence because they were doing the work that I was doing and they were making a positive impact. And so I want to learn from people who are doing the same job I am, but better and learn from them. And not just that they're doing it better in all aspects, but in some aspects where I wanted to grow. And I think when we start looking at leadership as something that all of us can possess on some levels, it also makes us really think about how do we become good followers as well? There was times in my school district where I was at a position of authority, whether it was at the, the central office uh, position, where a school-based position, that I actually encouraged my teachers, my students to take the lead and to become a good follower. And I wanted to be a part of that process. So leadership sometimes is actually not only helping people move in a positive direction, but it's also learning when to sit back and let other people lead and developing more leaders as you know, we kind of see as this leadership cliche, but it is very, very true. Um, that's why I really love this conversation that I actually just had uh, with a Eric Haynes and Amy Cordes. And they are from Frederick Schools in Maryland. And they're focused on really kind of expanding innovation through people, not through programs, not through tech, but actually helping develop great leaders uh, throughout their entire school system. It was really powerful. And I, I just love their ideas. love how they actually talked about how you could get started, no matter the position that you're in, to help you know build leadership within your schools. You're going to love this podcast. I had a great conversation with them. Probably could have talked for another hour easily, but I uh, didn't want to make this too long. But I know you're going to love it. Uh, thanks again for joining another episode of the Innovators Mindset Podcast. Hey everyone, it's George Kroos, another episode of the Innovators Mindset Podcast. I'm so fortunate and I've been getting to know um, these two wonderful educators, uh, Eric Haynes and Amy Cordes uh, from Frederick County, Frederick County Public Schools uh, in the Maryland area. And uh, they they actually have two kind of interesting roles and we're going to talk a lot about innovation. And this is the Innovators Mindset Podcast. And so I'm really kind of curious to... Um, kind of hear some of the work that you're doing, maybe some of your definitions, like how you see innovation, what that means to you, uh, and really kind of like how does it actually benefit kids. Um, but Eric is at the, for Frederick County, the supervisor of innovative learning. And Amy is the, for Frederick County School, is the supervisor of innovative solutions. And they work together, have a, a team of people. And so I'm actually curious about what those uh, different roles mean, what, what that looks like and kind of how you got there. Um, so we'll just kind of go from there, but I don't want you to explain that just yet. I'm going to hold off on that. But Amy, if you could just tell us who you are, what you do today, and basically how you got to that point, we'd love to hear that from you. Sure. Um, so Amy Cordes, I'm Supervisor of Innovative Solutions. And um, so what do I do? What do I do today? Uh, lots of different things. I manage the digital ecosystem for our school system. And that really incorporates a lot of different instructional tools. I co-coordinate the Vanguard Teacher Leadership Program with Eric and a lot of innovative learning practices that are happening in our county. Um, and how did I get here? Uh, started off as a teacher at the high school level, loved every minute of it, knew that I wanted to grow and change. So I moved into a role where I coached 
new hires for induction programming, mm-hmm. which was fantastic. Um, great years of experience, really uh, investing in myself as an educator, investing in other educators. So that way you really build out teachers to stay in the profession, which is so mm-hmm. very important. Um, And then as I moved through, I went into professional learning. I worked with English learners. I came back to our um, curriculum office as uh, part of the personalized learning team, once again, focusing on Vanguard teacher leadership programming. Um, And that's kind of where this role started, uh, this idea of evaluating the tech stack and onboarding a learning management system Mm -hmm. and really understanding how all of these pieces fit together Um, As we always like to say, we like to leverage technology intentionally. And that's a really key purposeful way to use technology in a district. And we really made specific choices to lift up great teaching practices. Um, And that led me to where I am today. Okay. So before I get into, so I I told Amy and Eric that based on their introductions, I'm going to start figuring out some questions. I have about 10 million questions just on your introduction. So okay. this is meant to go no longer than 45 minutes. But <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to keep an eye on, on the timer here just to make sure I don't go over. So um, I, I, I just want to ask you this one question specifically, because I think it's really pertinent before we get to Eric. Um, one of the things I hear all the time right now is basically, and I, like, I don't know the statistics, but like you, you wouldn't have to, like, I would know it's, it's more than ever. P- teachers are leaving the profession very quickly. Right. And, um, I think it's, I think there's, there's two reasons, right. And the obvious reason is just workload. Like it's just, they're like, this is not good for my life. Right. Like I'm not happy doing this. I think the other reason too, is there is a lot of different opportunities out there. Right. So like, if you could go on TikTok, you know, uh, I've seen, so I've actually seen so many teachers quit teaching who were like TikTok in the classroom. And then all of a sudden they like blew up and got millions of followers. It's like, I'm out. Like, I'm going to go do something else. Like I'm going to, you know, there's different opportunities here. So I think there's kind of like both of those elements. I don't think we talk about the second one. We talk about the first one all the time, but I think people are seeing, Hey, okay, there's like different opportunities that can have, a, you know, maybe not a better work-life balance, but a different work-life balance of something where I kind of report to myself and do those things. So like, what, what do you like? How do you kind of focus on that to kind of keep people like, and I, I think this is important, not against their will in the profession. Cause I think we, we, there's ways that happens, but like really that they are, they want to be in teaching and education. Like what are some of the things that, you know, your, your programs kind of focus on? So I would say, you know, when it comes to our school district, we have a very strong teacher induction program. There's mm-hmm. a ton of support. And I think that's a key to success. When when teachers come in, we have a lot of support in place, not just for one year, for multiple years. Um, and then when they get past those three years, that turns into whether it's right after that induction program or in conjunction with that, they have the opportunity to be part of the Vanguard Teacher Leadership Program, hmm. uh, which grows them as well. So I just think, number one, just having opportunities to connect and grow with people whether that's in person or virtually, I I think that's a key. I also think um, having coaching and having people available to work through things is instrumental. And, and, you know, the key to that is just being an intentional listener. Mm -hmm. So those people have to be prepared to listen and be able to respond to people in a way that helps them move their work forward. And, and when it comes to, just today and knowing that they can leave. I think anytime we adopt new practices, anytime we look to something and say, hey, this is going to be a great idea, I always go back to, does it minimize managerial tasks? Does it maximize instructional time with students? Mm -hmm. So teachers can spend time doing what they were hired to do, which is do great teaching with kids in the classroom and focus their time and energy on those students. So I got like, there's, there's two things I want to just bring up real quick. Uh, the first one is there, cause you're both in central office, correct? Yes. You, you nailed something that I'm a huge advocate for is that your job in central office is to lessen the load of teachers is so they can actually teach. And I so appreciate you saying that I actually have found, I'm not, 
I'm calling it out because I, I don't work in a school district anymore, so I can say this stuff, is the opposite a lot of times. That it's like, hey, we need this survey. We need this thing. We need this thing to justify our job so we can stay in the central office job. And so I, I despise that, right? I think if you're really good at your work um, in central office, you are doing exactly what you said, Amy, is you are ensuring teachers have as much time to just teach as possible as opposed to all the other stuff. I think the other thing too that I really appreciate is that you said like, hey, we provide all of this support to do these things, but then these people um, that are on our staff, we also give them the opportunity to like kind of continue and actually be a part of leading this program. So then you're kind of addressing both things I actually said. Hey, we, we people don't necessarily feel supported and we also want to open up doors for them so they can see different opportunities. So I absolutely love that. And so Eric, a um, little bit about who you are. Uh, and it's going to be tough to, you know, I kind of, I'm going to maybe turn this a little competition right now because Amy is pretty good with this. Amy got some gold. I don't know. Right. So tell us who you are uh, Tell and tell us kind of what you do today and how you got to that point. Yeah. I never want to have to compete with Amy. She, <laughs> She's incredible. And I'm very blessed to have her as a colleague for sure. Um, I started out actually um, working in a different career and uh, I was, I was between jobs and uh, my parents were both teachers and they said, well, you know why I had some interviews scheduled like a few weeks out and some different meetings set up to, to think about my next career move. And, um, and they said, well, why don't you substitute? Like you can make a little bit of money, you know, there's no commitment. You can give it a shot. And, and I substituted a few days and, and it really did not take long before I just fell in love with students, fell right at, you know, felt right at home being in a school and just, um, felt almost immediately that that's where I needed to be. And so I did everything I could to, to figure out how to become a teacher and go back and take the classes and the tests and everything I needed to be certified to teach. Um, so I actually substituted the rest of that school year and, um, and then got a job teaching middle school tech ed mm -hmm. and, um, and just loved it. And, and so then from there, um, you know, became a teacher leader and then ultimately um, came to central office as the coordinator for career and technology education. And so I was working in the curriculum office, you know, overseeing um, a lot of our CTE programming and, um, and teaming up with, with that team there. And then as, uh, as things were, were growing for us in terms of our digital ecosystem that Amy mentioned, um, we started getting a we got some some nice one-time funding and some grant funding and the district was buying devices left and right and putting in wi-fi and of course everything that you read or anybody would ever tell you is don't just put devices out there without any professional learning whatsoever um but it was an opportunity it was one-time funding there were grant funding and um and our, our senior leaders, our, our su superintendent and deputy superintendent at the time, again, wanted to seize that opportunity and almost create a little bit of that dissonance to allow us to work in the professional learning and create that need. Um, and so for us as a district, it was looking at that in, you know, how do you do PL for right. technology? For a district, we have a, around 3,400 teachers and so how do you do that at scale? And, and so we quickly got together this uh, position of project manager for personalized learning. And I was hired into that role. And so switched over from CTE and then uh, been working with that to try to scale our professional learning around instructional technology and not, not just ed tech itself, right. uh, click here and do that. But how do we actually, you know, uh, use it in the classroom. And so that really became a focus on blended and personalized learning. And uh, from there, moving into my current role um, as supervisor of innovative learning, where we continue to focus on blended and personalized learning, as well as leadership development, because uh, we, we wholeheartedly believe that to scale professional learning, it really comes through our teacher leaders and not from the central office, you know, as you said. Right, right. It's, it's actually interesting that your parents, you know, were both teachers 
and they saw you doing something else and they kind of pushed you, you know, I don't know if pushed is right, encouraged you, I guess, encouraged, to yeah. go into to teaching. Um, and it, like, I thought about my own parents when you talked about this, cause my parents were not, um, and, and it's kind of like our parents sometimes want to see us do what they did, even though they also want to open up doors that didn't exist. I remember actually, uh, so I went into teaching. My parents were both immigrants to Canada from Greece, but like basically came to the country with nothing, uh, and built their way up and, you know, owned a restaurant for years and they worked in the restaurant industry. And, um, their like whole goal in life was to ensure their kids never had to work in a restaurant. Uh, because it was like, you know, basically seven days a week, 8 a.m. till 10 p.m., right? That was their, that was their life. Um, but I will say this, I, I actually worked in a restaurant while I was teaching because I was taking my master's and I couldn't afford it without actually taking on us. And uh, teaching, you know, doing my master's and my, my mom and dad came into the restaurant and I'll tell you, they've never been so proud. <laughs> they were like, so they're like, little Georgie's is working in a restaurant. It was like, they, like, even though like I achieved all these other things, it's just, I thought about that, how, how excited they were to see me kind of like doing something they did. Right. And maybe it was because I then, you know, appreciated how hard it was. Right. Cause I never really understood, um, you know, what it was to work in the restaurant industry. Cause they never made me do that. Cause you know, my, my brothers and my sister actually had to work in the restaurant, but I kind of got off cause I was the youngest. Right. And we get away with everything. So, um, when you're when you're talking about this stuff and uh, you're connecting, there's something I want to share with both of you, and I just want to get your thoughts on this. So I was working in a school district. Actually, I was working with two school districts, right? So they brought me in together. So you got school district A, school district B. Totally true story. It's an Illinois area, and uh, we were talking about um, professional learning. And one of the things that was asked was um, by the one district, "Hey, you know, our teachers are really upset." because we have gone one-to-one -one. every teacher has a device and like not every teacher not just every teacher but every student right and they feel like we haven't provided enough learning you know to how to utilize these devices right and so that's what they you know gave me as like so how would you deal with this i said well it's just can you just hold on one second before i answer this so i asked someone i said hey who's from the other school district right and I, there, someone put up their hand. I said, what is the biggest issue with professional, uh, with one of the districts? What are the things that your teachers are complaining about that we don't have devices? So it was like one, like, oh, we got devices, but you haven't trained us. That one's like, well, you, we don't have devices. So like, and I was like, see, like th there are always people can find problems. Right. Mm -hmm. So for me, like I'm actually, before I kind of share what I shared kind of into that, like, how do you see, you know, those two Cause like, am I, is this just a Illinois thing, but have you ever seen this happen in education where like, we're like, we can complain about both. Do you know what I mean? In some ways, like any thoughts on that? I mean, I think when it comes right down to it, yeah. I mean, people, there's a continuum of learners, no matter where right. you're at. And so when you hand out devices, people need to know what to do with those devices. Right. right. And sometimes that's the simple click and point. How do you get into them? What does it look like inside? What can we do with these devices, right? right. What are we approved to do? And, and people need permission sometimes, especially in today's age. Like people need to understand what's approved, what can be done with it. And then when you don't have any devices, um, like like you said, you've seen both, you see both sides of this. Right. When you don't have those devices, a lot of times, you know, some of these teachers are ready to go. They they know how to leverage technology intentionally and they don't have what they need to be able to do it well. So when we talk about going back towards um, really that student-centered learning and small group instruction, they understand the conditions necessary and they understand technology will help them to create conditions right. so they can have more time with small groups of students. And, and a lot of times that's the other part of it. Now, do you always have all the, are all your teachers like that? No, but I think there's, there's a ton of them out there that if you gave them the devices, a lot of them are prepared to make those shifts in instruction so they can spend more time with their students. Eric, any thoughts? I would, I would echo Amy's sentiment. I mean, I think there, there is sort of a, a step one, step two right. to this, where step one is just how do I use it? Like the, they need training and then professional learning, right? Like, right. right. So, um, so 
some are at different levels of readiness and, and you have different levels of ability. That's what made some of what we dealt with um, so tricky. If you just said, hey, I wanna do training at scale across the whole district, over 3000 teachers, you know, all at once, they're, the, the right. tricky part of that is that everyone is at a different level and different experience set. And um, to be able to do that well, um, is, is challenging. Yeah. Like when, when, when I talked to the, the school district, I said, okay, like you're seeing two problems and I'm seeing two opportunities. And so the opportunity with the one is that you have a bunch of teachers who are really excited and want to move forward and you're holding them back. So how do you kind of put stuff in their hands, get ready to go? And how do you utilize their knowledge um, their abilities to actually help move people forward. So one of the things we did in my schools um, was basically we said, hey, uh, we're going to give early access to these things, um, but for you to get them, we'll let you go early. We'll let you kind of do this. You actually will get up early, but you have to teach a couple sessions, right? So then you have to like share your knowledge of this process, right? So they're like, hey, we, I want in first. Some people are like, I want in dead last. Like I wanna be the last person using this thing, right? And we kind of honored that too. So we kind of wanted to get some of those people that were willing and it wasn't, and you, you both had mentioned this. It's not like, um, like, hey, these were our super competent teachers and here were our super incompetent teachers like didn't wanna do this. It was just like, here's a group of teachers that had a lot of skill with technology who wanted to embrace this stuff, right? And like, we would do the same thing with like literacy, you know, you know, different elements uh, of that too. On the other side, the, I think the, the problem was basically it's like, hey, here's devices, everything will change, right? And you can actually see, if you look at any things, um, they'll look at like, hey, what happened to the school district once one? And they often say with their test scores, right? And I think a lot of times it's basically exactly the same. And the issue is not because you put the device in, it's because you put the device in and did nothing different because of it. You just said like, hey, here's this magic tool and it will fix all your problems. And like, you need to figure out how to do this magic, right? So, so there is, so like, hey, here's this opportunity. We want, and like, we want you to play, we want you to try this stuff, but we under, understand that we wanted to get this in your hands earlier and we will pr be providing professional learning, but we like, we'll have to, like, we will acknowledge this isn't going to change your teaching and instruction, right? Like, that's what we do. Like, that's like, and I don't mean we as central office, I mean, we as educators, like, we have to like, figure out how this changes our instruction and having those conversations. So uh, I really appreciate that answer. Because I think a lot of times, um, you know, we can kind of find and it's like, obviously, in that scenario is two different groups. It wasn't the same group complaining either way. It's, but I don't, I don't want to be held back with technology stuff. Cause I actually understand it. And I think there's like, probably you understand this too. There's probably people in your, and maybe this is offensive, but it's probably true. Probably people in your district that are teachers that know technology better than the both of you. Right. Oh, yeah. And not saying that you don't know it really well, but like, why would we hold those people back up so that so that leadership can catch up to what they know as teachers, right? And as the same was true with me in my district when I was, you know, the uh, you know division principal of innovative teaching and learning. There's people way better at technology than me, and the last thing I want to do is say, no, 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 let me catch up to you before you move forward, right? So I think that that to, that to me is uh, really important. So I wanted to ask this question, uh, and basically, right as soon as I started talking to you, uh, you know, when we were doing kind of just the pre-chat before this. Amy is a supervisor of innovative solutions. Eric is the supervisor of innovative learning. What is the difference between those two things? It's a great question. <laughs> do you, do, do you, it's like, are these are new roles? So maybe you don't even know yet. Right? No, I, I think, I think we've lived through um, the evolution of these roles. So it's, it became pretty clear when they, they popped up um, for solution side. Uh, when I came into personalized learning, at first we were we were in the position where we were about to um, onboard a learning management system. We we were you know going through the selection process, and we remember having the conversation about the Vanguard program and talking about this learning management system that we were going to bring in. We're like, it's going to take a couple years to get it up and running, and then people are going to get used to it. And um, we had an opt-in model. But, but what happened was that 
onboarding of a learning management system and the idea of what it could be in our school system to support teachers, once again, leveraging that tool intentionally become became a bigger job. And as we did that, we also found that digital tools were becoming more agile, more adaptable. Um, and we were finding tools that were research informed. We found tools that were really benefiting teachers and students. Mm. And so the digital ecosystem just kept growing and growing to the point where we recognize the value of having not just a person to manage it, but having people to support that tier one training that Eric was talking about earlier, where I need to know how to log in. I need to know the basics quick. I need right. people to keep the documentation updated. But at the same time, for me in my role, I'm still sitting in curriculum uh, with Eric, knowing all of the innovative practices that we're leveraging right now, thinking through the opportunities we have with instruction and how leveraging that technology intentionally could and would impact instruction and what we would need to get there. So I think that really was uh, one of the reasons why the solution side of the innovation team was created, because we recognized the value of having two people in the curriculum office that can deal with both sides of it interchangeably, but still being able to manage them the way they need to be. So the one, the one thing, uh, and I've challenged this forever is you, there's like when we've had like, and I, I know this is not totally your role, but obviously there's an aspect of it. We have it departments that say like, Hey, uh, that doesn't fit within our infrastructure. So then we don't let teachers do it as opposed to saying the learning should actually change your infrastructure. If you need to do this for learning, then figure out how this will support that. Is that because that seems to me like a more solution focus as opposed to like, nope, sorry, I know this would be really great for kids. I know this would be really helpful to teachers, but it doesn't fit with how we do things right now. So we're not changing anything, right? And I, I, I'll be honest with you, I get a little sarcastic. I'm like, hey, sorry, I'm asking you, you to, you know, to do your job at work. Like, like this is part of your job is to make this so that makes teachers' lives easier, so they can do better learning. Not to say like, nope. You have to fit it within what we determine, even though we aren't necessarily in classrooms, right? Yeah, so, and I would say there's data privacy constraints and all those yeah. things we deal yeah. with. But our team, our our infrastructure team has been fantastic at working with us through these solutions to make sure that they understand how those pieces impact instruction. Because ultimately, you're right. All of us are here to serve the students. Right. and the teachers in the classrooms every day. So those conversations are really important to have. And we've seen a lot of gains and benefit as a result of, of just having that liaison in that bridge. Love it. Love it. Eric, so tell me your, tell me kind of your role and, and, and how that connects to Amy's. Sure. And I mean, in innovative learning, I mean, if the pandemic hasn't taught us this yet, it's that, that uh, technology is always going to be a part of innovative learning, right? It's it, digital tools, um, technology certainly going to be a part of that. Um, and so I'm connected to Amy because, you know, we, we need to understand the technology side of things just as much as she needs to understand the, the learning to and instruction to be able to inform the, the digital tools and technology side. Um, for us, it's, it's goes beyond just some of that tier one support to say, this is how we get access or how to use a tool uh, in the classroom. But we go beyond that to say, how do we leverage it intentionally? As Amy had mentioned a couple of times, how do we maximize instructional time? How do we use technology to, uh, you know, what are, we, what are we using it to help us to do? Is it helping us to get feedback to students quicker or, to make better relationships, uh, you know, just if, you know, using a blended model to be able to free the teacher up, to be able to have more, you know, small groups or even one-on-one -on -one conversations. Um, we know that those are the things that really impact learning and, and growth over time. And, and it probably speaks back to what we had talked about before uh, that, you know, job satisfaction, you know, being able to feel like, I'm making a difference and that I'm connected here. And, and so I think it all is part of that cycle. And so that's where innovative learning really focuses on blended and personalized learning and using technology purposefully. And, and we also 
are very focused on on leadership development and in the in terms of teacher leadership. Um, so we we know that that's how we reach reach classrooms, and we talked about the the teachers that are maybe weren't as ready for some of the shifts that right. have come in as we move towards one to one and and everything that teachers have on their plates um they they weren't as ready and and so that wasn't gonna we weren't gonna sit in the central office and reach everyone throughout right. our school system right um it's our teacher leaders that do that every day and the informal conversations that happen in the hallway and the leadership that they provide throughout our school system that uh, really makes the difference. And I'm going to, I'm going to ask you more about the, the Vanguard teacher leadership program in, in a second. I, I want to like, I just want to just kind of clarify something in my head here. So um, I've seen this happen in school districts and it seems like you've kind of figured this out and I appreciate it is that a lot of times we have like, here's technology team, here's the curriculum team, and they kind of just are off doing their own things. And sometimes what happens is they start button heads. They like, oh, like, and and a lot of time, you know, uh, whereas I say you're, those departments should be working together, not separate, right? And it seems like that's what you're doing. Is that correct? Like, that seems like a really nice uh, connection uh, in the work that you're actually doing. Uh, before, I, I want to ask about the Vanguard teacher program teacher leadership program uh what like when you say eric when you say innovative learning what is innovative learning what does that mean to you well i think that it's really looking for those connections you know sometimes i think uh, the word innovation i think it's a misconception that you're just always going to be on the cusp and always right. doing something new um <laughs> but it is uh it is in these new things that we are able to reflect and make adjustments and look for connections and, and use our relationships and our, our information and the ability to work across the district, across every content area, every grade level, and looking for those connections to be able to do things, you know, in a better way. Yeah. And you said like that actually in, in innovators mindset, um, which is, you know, my book, <laughs> Right. So let's say, oh, I was going to do shout out, but I just like had uh, that button for some reason ready to go. I don't know why. So, uh, so like I actually, you said both things, right? It's about being new and better. Like it ha and the better is crucial, right? Because I think a lot of times people that say they're on the cutting edge, and this is an issue with school districts all over the world, they're always trying to do the new thing. They're not good at the last thing. And they just, you know, it's just this cycle. And then we're like, why are teachers so burnt out? And I'm like, because you're teaching them 80 million tools every year. Um, and they, they just, they want to be good at these things, but they don't, they're just, some people just start waiting it out. They're like, look, they're going to teach this, but in two months they are going to teach this thing. Let's just, I'm going to ignore all of it. Right. And just do what I feel as opposed to like, Hey, how do we actually dig deep? How do we, you know, create better opportunities for our kids? And I think like even this podcast, um, I would actually say, um, is hopefully, and I'm not saying podcasting is innovation, but because I, you know, for me, it was innovative to start it, but like it evolved from uh, in my basement with a mic on my phone to like having better equipment, being more thoughtful, like what are some of the different things I can do with this? Like what are some of the, you know, and you know, they get started with just me and then it now it's starting with guests, right? And it's like, but if I don't have that time to like evolve it and, and create something that I think is way better than what it started as, uh, yeah, of course it's just going to be, but a lot of people just kind of like, Hey, I want to start a podcast, do it for two times. And then they move on to the next thing and then they never gain any traction with their stuff. So I think it's, you know, true in so many aspects uh, of life. Uh, I'm really interested to hear about this Vanguard teacher leadership program and, uh, just kind of like what, what's the, what's the, uh, program itself, what's the intent and what do you kind of see, uh, the effect of it long-term? So Eric or Amy, whoever like to start, I'd love, I, I know, I know a lot of people know you for this, uh, for this program uh, at Frederick County Public Schools in Maryland, right? Yes. Yeah. So, <laughs> so what? Is, so tell us what. Tell us about this program. Right. And so years ago, I think about 2015, 2016 school year, we we were starting to go towards one to one, and 
and we were a district trying to figure out how to scale professional learning and, and looking at blended learning. And, um, and we certainly are, were not the first to kind of think about this, but um, looking at the work of, of Everett Rogers and, and diffusion of innovation. Mm-hmm. And how do, we, how do we get to, you know, the, the, the idea of innovators and early adopters and then early majority, late majority and, and laggards. And, and really that the best way to look at early majority and late majority to get them on board was to support the innovators and early adopters uh, really well and have them help us to develop a system that the early majority could latch onto um, and, and to bring others along with them. And so it was this idea of investing in teacher leadership that uh, and really investing in those innovators and early adopters when it came to technology and instruction and um, blended learning and personalized learning models. And so that's where we really spent our time. And we learned a lot from uh, Dr. Stephanie Stevens, um, who worked in Fulton County, Georgia at the time and is now with Microsoft. And, um, and she did a lot for us to say, you know, here's what we're doing and started that sharing that helped us to get our program together. And so today it's evolved into, uh, it's a three-year program. It's a cohort-based model uh, where they focus on the first year on uh, teaching and just being able to Mm -hmm. try blended models, try things out, um, see what works and what doesn't in which circumstances. And then they move into the second year of the program, which is a the leadership year. And so in that lead year, now they get to share what they've tried, you know, not that they've become an expert in blended learning and instructional technology, but they get to share what all they're doing. And then in the third year um, is the coach role. And so they've been doing it for two years. They've figured some things out. They're sharing with others and they're coaching and mentoring those Um, that are in the other cohorts of the program, as well as others in their schools and across their content areas. And and really the end result has been, and and our intent is that uh, they become these embedded coaches throughout our school system. We have Vanguard teachers in uh, currently in 55 schools um, in every content area, you know, every grade level. And what that allows us to do is to, to really leverage them for innovation. Mm-hmm. And so when things like a pandemic occurs and we need support and we need mentoring for other teachers who don't know what they're going to do to teach virtually or to uh, teach in some sort of concurrent model where they have students at home and in front of them at the same time, we were you know sort of accidentally prepared almost right. for that type of a situation because we had teachers in almost every school in our district that not only were um, had some experience with blended models, but they had the confidence, they were comfortable with coaching others. And so, um, yes, it's really about blended and personalized learning and that becomes the content, but the, the intent and the natural progression of them as you know, leaders and coaches in our district has really been a just an, an amazing outcome for us as a district, and and we look forward to continuing to to build on that and to continue to add. We're we're going through the selection process for our sixth cohort right now, um, going through this program, and um, excited to have this this team. And Amy, can I ask you, like, how how are like how are the people who are in this program, like identified, how do they become a part of this in your school district? Well, they, they have an application process. So they, they choose to apply for the program. They give us evidence of, of their different um, capabilities within different tracks. So whether it's, uh, you know, leadership, um, how they're leveraging technology right now, We've always said that we we really want people to be pointed in the right direction. They don't need to be down the path, mm-hmm. but they need to be pointed in the right direction. And then the program itself will lift them up with the professional learning network and help them move along that path. And they'll move along with people, right? 
Um, So when they go through that process, they also have recommendations from their administrators. Um, We love the fact that our vanguards help us reach out to other potential vanguards. So every year, uh, we always make sure that our current vanguards send personal notes out to people that they think are ready to join the program. Right. So we really try and just like Eric said, we leverage our own professional learning network within the program to reach out to people who are ready for the opportunity. Love that. We actually, so in my school district, uh, I led this program. It was like, it has elements that there are some similarities uh, in it. And we called it um, for the innovative ter- teaching and learning leads. And, um, we, we saw something that was being delivered in another school district in Canada. And what they had done was basically they wanted, they were trying to implement laptops, right? And you can tell you, this is obviously a long time ago, because that's what they were, you know, and so they would give teachers a laptop, but at the end, they had to take these 12 sessions. And then once they took the 12 sessions, once they did all, all that stuff, then they got a laptop, um, you know, at the end of it. And so they would have like 50 teachers a year. And basically what they would do was they would have 50 teachers have these technical skills and then they go out and, you know, so you had 50 more teachers with technical skills than when you started. So my superintendent asked me, said, Hey, I want to, I want you to look at that program and see if we can implement it. I said, I don't, I don't, there's something I don't like about it. Um, let me tweak it and see what I can do. So, uh, what we, we are looking at, you know, uh, students having, you know, iPads and, you know, or like tablets at the time. And what we actually had said, I like what I said, I was like, Hey, how about instead of 12, we do six and it, because we do six and let's give the devices to the teachers in the program at the beginning, let them play with it, have it over summer, let their kids play with it. Just, just play around. Right. Um, but because they're doing six, they have to teach, uh, two sessions, you know, to their own staff. Right. And so, so, cause we wanted these, this learning to spread, right. Which is, I think is kind of the key to what you're doing, but when we identified, and this is why I asked you that question, when we identified who it was, uh, we actually said to our administrators to identify people they thought for the program, but the key was don't identify someone who's good with technology. Okay. Cause like, that's not what we're looking for now. If they're good with technology, that's great. But what we're looking for is people who have influence on your staff that when, so like if they're actually bad with technology, but they have influence and I can get them here and they go, Oh, this is amazing. And they're like, Susie thinks this is amazing. Then you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to try it. Right. Because like I was always good with technology, you know, in, in connection to school. And a lot of times that actually led to issues like, Oh, that's, that's a George thing. Right. And I, I the, and so we actually just brought people together, talked about teaching. And now some of the principals, I'll be honest with you, they didn't listen to anything I said. And they just sent people that wanted to learn. Like I want an app for kindergarten. I'm like, Nope, that's not what we're doing here. Right. But I'll teach you how to like, go find that on your own. But I'm not, I'm not here to like, cause we have like kindergarten teachers, high school teachers, but I think, and this is, I'm curious about um, this part of it too. The hope was we were developing people with these leadership skills kind of already baked into the cake um, to go and influence their staff, teach them some skills. But we also wanted these people to go into administration because I think, and I'm, I, I, you know, you're a pretty progressive forward thinking school district. If you have like a Vanguard teacher leader who's promoting the stuff, but then you have a principal who's like, you know, thumbing it out, that's an issue. So like a lot of times, it's almost like they're two different tracks. Like, Hey, we're going to develop these people with good technology skills, have a, you know, different view of learning. And then we're going to have, uh, we're going to send these people on these old school track of administration. And they're going to go to people, uh, that, you know, like did, did the check marks to get their admin certificate or whatever it is in, in Maryland. And then there's almost like kind of the same issue that we were talking about earlier, you got your, your admin people and then your teacher leaders, as opposed to like, are we developing those people to become the future administrators of the school district so that they can actually, you know, kind of implement this too? Because I think part of it, you develop that on your staff, someone gets a principal job in another school district that went through that, that school is all, all of a sudden going to become better uh, because, and it's not that they just have the leadership skills, it's they actually have both elements. So do you see some of these, 
um, some of these people that are in this program go into like admin positions. Cause I think a thought like yeah. we, we want distributed leadership. I get that. But like, yeah, I still have to listen to my boss. Right. Like, yeah. that, like don't, yeah. don't pretend that doesn't matter. Right. And mm-hmm. I, I, it really bothers me. Like I want my boss to be happy. I don't want to get in trouble. I and mean, maybe I'm just like a baby like that, but like I, we need administrators who think different as well. Yeah. I think I will say we're, we're so happy that, We've seen across the board our vanguards. Um, we we embrace change in our program. We yeah. celebrate change. Um, I think Eric and I can say a lot about when we started. Changing wasn't part of the game usually. When you signed up for teaching, it was like, oh, you're going to be at the same place and do the same right. thing for a really right. long time. And there are people who thrive and are fantastic at that, and we applaud them for that. And then we also applaud people for making those changes, moving to a different school, moving to a different type of role in the district. So we've had people, um, you know, stay teacher leaders within their buildings and become the department chair and evolve that role. We've had people become teacher specialists. We've had people become administrators. Um, And I think there is benefit in having that network that understands the power of blended and personalized learning. Yeah, I would add that, you know, we're we're not all about creating administrators, but that's been a natural progression to developing leaders as we push people out of their comfort zone a little bit sometimes because, you know, you do a great job in your four walls of your classroom, but, but we encourage them that, that leadership is about influencing everyone around you and, and making others better and not just, not just the students that are fortunate enough to get you, you know, as a teacher. Um, And so the progression of that has led to, I don't have the exact number in front front of me, but it's about one in five, Um, uh, about one in five of our, our teachers either move on to an administrative position or take some type of teacher specialist role or come to central office. Um, And so I think it's really that outgrowth of, um, developing confidence through the program. They, they were kind of nudged and pushed or, or they, you know, we encourage them to blame the program, right? I I have to do this because I'm a Vanguard and, you know, they get permission from their, their, uh, administrative team to lead some things, lead some meetings or do something innovative in their school, uh, because of the program. And that leads to them, you know, having the, you know, hey, I kind of like this leadership thing. Where can I go serve as a leader elsewhere? And um, so that that does kind of happen. It's just sort of a natural outgrowth of what we're doing. Okay, so I, I'm like, I, I'm already over time with this, but this is the last question I'm going to ask you. Um, so someone's listening to this, like, you know, that'd be awesome for a school district. And then they just go off and then they don't do anything. So I don't want that happening. If, if someone thinks it's gonna be awesome, what advice would you give for them to start something like this in their school district? Well, Cause you obviously yeah. started somewhere, right? Like it, it, it didn't just like, just didn't just happen. Right. This wasn't I mean, like I mean, one of the things I think that really helped us was um, the idea that we started with teachers, right? This program is built by teachers. There were 30 teachers in a room saying, what would we want to do? How would we want to grow? What would we want this to look like? Um, So once you get the idea that you want to do something, I think it's really important to include that teacher voice. It's also important to have the backing of your leadership. You know, you want your leaders to be excited and lifting this up too. So I think it's important, obviously, to have, have that approval as well moving forward. But I think a teacher-driven program really helps inspire teachers to connect with each other and now more than ever in a way that is absolutely essential uh, for our teachers that want to continue in the classroom and beyond. Absolutely, Amy. I would 100% agree that that was a big part of our success. That it was teacher-created, teacher-driven. Um, we, use a, we use micro-credentials and make it competency-based but I, I hesitated at first because I wonder what role are you in? Um, right. in? In our case, we were kind of hired to do this and it was really our executive director, Dr. Kevin Cuppet, and he- um, Just wait, who was it? Dr. Kevin Cuppet. There you go. 
There it is. I just got, I just got, you, I just got you both a raise. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah, shout out to him. But but really that sense of, you know, sometimes these programs come from the top, right? The, even the Board of Ed or something in the community is saying, hey, we need a program like this. Or the superintendent is saying, uh, we want you to do this. And and um, and so in our case, too, it, it kind of came from um, just below that tier. Right. And how do we uh, both put things in place to, you know, to work with our superintendent to get the support that we need for a program like this? And, and certainly we couldn't do it without Dr. Cuppet's leadership and, and really supporting this program from the beginning and just encouraging us to continue to run with it. And, um, and like Amy said, then, then really focusing on what the teachers need and, and all along in conjunction and connection with our curriculum specialists, as you said earlier, this is not two separate things. Right, right. Uh, we are a curriculum team. And so these teachers are in all their different curricular areas and all our different schools. And so how do we continue to partner with, curriculum and principals and uh, assistant principals and, and have everybody um, connected and on the same page so that we're supporting one another. So the, and just, first of all, the, the work that you're doing is absolutely incredible. I love this. Um, Cause we talked about this earlier, really kind of opening up doors for our staff and, and really kind of having ownership over the direction of the school district too. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's not just like, uh, it's not like just a, uh, let's give a kid the best recycler award, right? Like a kind of fake, like nobody really cares kind of thing. It's actually like there's, there's input that actually affects the, the entirety of the school district. And I think that when we give people like authentic ownership over the direction of the school district, they see themselves as part of a larger picture. That's where a lot of the purpose comes in, right? Where you see more and the best leaders have always done that for me. They, they've made me see how I'm part of a bigger picture. And like my classroom is really important, but I was contributing to the success of my peers down the hallway. And I think that's really uh, important. And one of the things that I always say um, is the best change that you can deal with is the one that you initiate. And I think that's when you talked about how you've gone through, uh, you know, the pandemic is that you said it was accidental, but it was intentional. You just didn't know what the, what the, what the thing was going to happen. Right. But you, you initiated that change. Um, and it's way better to do that early than, than late. So, um, it was, it was awesome to sit and talk with you both. I know that you thought we would have nothing to talk about cause I had no questions for you, but like, I, like I got, I could ask you 10 million more, but I got like just paper and stuff going on all over the place. But uh, I hope people connect with you. Uh, you can see Eric is, uh, E Haynes FCPS. Amy is Amy FCPS achieve. I don't know. Yeah, there's got to be some like it's just what all over the place with the FCPS. Just got to be in there somehow, right? With your Twitter handle. So I don't know how you're figuring this stuff out. But hey, their their links are down below. Um, I know you can learn a lot from them. I learned a lot from talking to you, and you know this is a topic I'm obviously very passionate about. So thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. I hope you have a wonderful day.